Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Also here in Knoxville, Tennessee, although the background might lead you to believe otherwise that he's in Boston, Massachusetts, but no, John Pennington, the founder, host of Sports Source here in East Tennessee is joining me for the first time on this very program. John, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, the the Boston background, it's just, it's my favorite place. So on all the walls around me, there are, it's Boston paintings, Boston memorabilia. And that's just a huge mural of my favorite street in Boston, Union Street, right next to the Union Oyster House. So if people are sitting there going, why does this idiot have a background of Boston? It's actually just part of his broom in my house that's kind of Boston centric. There you go. What's your favorite street in Knoxville then? Are you are you in like what's your are you an old city guy? Are you a gay street guy? What, what's your a, spot? That's an interesting probably any of the market square area now. Hmm. If you asked me when I was your age, it would have been uh, uh, anywhere in the old city. So mm-hmm. Jackson and Central. But mm-hmm. uh, nowadays the market square area is really nice. Uh, it's impressive how they've blown that whole area up in Gay Street too. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, that was uh, you know when I was Starting out at WBIR in this town, mm. uh, we were all just desperate for some sort of downtown nightlife, and it just never mm-hmm. seemed to spur. So missed it by about 20 years, but uh, it's uh, it's impressive what they've done. There you go. And they're going to keep adding, man. Like, we're going to have the waterfront coming over here. I'm amazed at what's going to continue well, to pop well, up around downtown Knox. Yeah, I mean, that ballpark's going to open up that whole corridor. I mean, that's... Yeah. They, they never should have... Uh, I was doing another show with Mike Keith, uh, mm-hmm broadcaster of the Tennessee Titans now uh, many years ago. And uh, John Wilkerson was also on that show. And um, we had uh, the general manager of the Smokies on at the time, and he was pressing, pushing hard to get Mayor Victor Ash in the uh, the city of Knoxville to uh, fund a downtown ballpark. And they didn't mm. do it. And they said, ballparks don't bring in business. So they moved up to a, an off-ramp with nothing at it in Kodak City. Mm. And boom, now there's restaurants and shops and everything around it. So I think when, when Randy Boyd gets that uh, that stadium downtown, it's going to really pump more energy into that whole corridor from Magnolia all the way over to uh, Gay Street and the waterfront. It's going to be beautiful. It is. I will say, though, I love the the cabin feel for Smokey's Games out in Sevierville. Like, I go to a lot of them with my wife, and there is something about it of getting out there, kind of that minor league baseball field, where it, the downtown field is going to be a little bit different for Smokey's Games, I think. Yeah, you've got that natural amphitheater. Yeah. There, uh, which is very nice. Uh, mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, if, as someone who lives in North Knoxville, it's going to mm-hmm. be for me to get downtown that it is all yeah. the way i'm uh, in north knox right now too oh really oh it's yeah. a shame they can't put uh shame they can't put a single a team up there in severeville uh, you know keep that one going but yeah. anyway that's uh i am uh not a lifelong knoxvillian but uh, this has always kind of been the uh, the hub in the middle of the wheel uh mm-hmm. so, uh I've kept an eye on knoxville even when i've been out of here and uh it's cool to see what they're doing with the city absolutely um is it harder to do sports source in march than other months or no Uh, No. Um, What's funny is uh, the easiest months for me, and it depends on what you're talking about with easy. Mm. I only have 90 minutes a week. We used to be Mm. 60 minutes and I don't, it's amazing looking back how we squeezed everything into an hour uh, Mm. because I can go to two hours now, Uh, but we're at 90 minutes and when you're 90 minutes a week, I mean, that, that is so easy. Uh, Mm. 
guys on my show, like Jimmy Himes, Josh Ward, it's like, God, you got to fill 20 hours a week. At the, and that's what you're doing. Mm. They have to fill. Uh, I have to weed stuff out. Yeah. Know, we, have to, we have to be moving at all times. And there's only so many topics you can get into. And they have to be topics that people won't flip away from. Uh, mm. so we have overnight ratings and TV. I know what people watch and what they don't watch. Uh, so for me, it's not terribly difficult in the summer months. People mm. always say, oh, gosh, what do you do in the summer? And it's like, uh, well, we talk Tennessee football. Mm. <laughs> we can have big generic discussion topics all summer long, previewing the fall, talking about greatest games ever. Fall fans eat that up. I would, you know, if, if it were a Patriot show, I would eat that up. Uh, mm. so I actually find that the summer months are easier. Mm. It's a little harder um, in, in the football season because I, I'm the only guy in town who hates night games mm. because I will be up till 5 a.m. Uh, yeah. trying to show together. We don't just wing it. I mean, there's a ton of graphics and all that kind of stuff that have to be built and put together and planning how the show goes. It's kind of interesting how that goes, but mm. uh, basketball is not tough. March isn't tough. A, a month I don't like though. I don't like February hmm. because you're in the middle of basketball season and uh, Mark Pankratz on our show is from Chicago always points this out down here in the South. We view basketball as football. Hmm. So fans expect an undefeated season. They lose their yeah. mind after a loss. So every week you've got two games and it's just up and down and up and down this roller coaster. And you want to say, man, they look good last night. And then you're going to get emails on Wednesday when they lose. And you mm-hmm. idiot, they suck. And then if, if they lose on Saturday, you say, boy, they look bad yesterday. Mm-hmm. And then they beat the number one team on Wednesday and everybody emails and says, ah, you suck. You're an idiot. So uh, February gets a little old for me. I'm, I'm glad to uh, – I'm glad that we've hit March and tournament time is here. I, I hate the way the Vols are having to roll into it with the Zakai Ziegler injury. That's just uh, – Tennessee fans have to feel cursed at this point. But mm. uh, but March is not a difficult month for me. March is kind of fun. That's uh, that's reinvigoration. And then, you know, we're only two, week, two weeks away from spring practice. And once you're talking spring practice, it's right around the corner until SEC media days, and then, boom, we're off back to football. Yeah, and I guess, too, the way I was looking at it, it's interesting because, like, when you said people are like, oh, what do you talk about in the summer? I'm like, y'all don't know the South at all. Like, the summer is, like, preview central where it's just everyone's just – they're salivating over any crumbs of, like, where we're going to go, what the season can be because optimism is just at the full broom of, like, what we can be. Like, just wait for the – Joe Milton's actually going to go number one overall next year. That's oh, yeah. July in Knoxville uh, next yeah. year, depending on how spring goes. And, yeah, this, and no, matter, yeah. no, no matter what the projected um, – record is going to be yeah come august it goes up by two wins yes if, if somebody said well they're they're bad they're going to win three mm-hmm. games by august i think they could win five games get to I a think bowling. They're bowling actually <laughs> yeah and if, if this year it's probably going to be nine and three mm-hmm. i guess is the predictions that'll be coming in mm-hmm. and by august it will start being uh, i don't see any reason they can't go 11 and when they outperformed last year why can't they do mm-hmm. it again yeah and it's like that i mean you know you've got that Alabama, you've got that at Georgia, you've got yeah. that. It's the same thing at Florida. It's what makes this this league so fun. I don't think um, now my show is kind of I always joke that it's in the Goldilocks zone. Mm. You know, they all talk about that with finding planets that are far enough away from their their sun that they're not radiated and overheated, and yet they're not too far away to where everything's ice. Mm. So it's the Goldilocks zone where you could find life on these planets. My show is done in the Goldilocks zone uh, in terms of you would have to have a place that the people are nutty enough 
to follow all year long a Sunday morning sports talk show on TV. And they've supported us for 20 years. We just mm-hmm. finished our football season. You'd have to be in a place where they're crazy. So now you're in the South. That's it. You'd have to be in a place that has a big enough TV market to where you can make good money off of it or money. Uh, you have to be in a market that's small enough to where you can afford to buy the time on the mm-hmm. television. That's that's the trick. You don't want to work for another station and be able to get fired one day. Yep. Uh, you want to have your own time. So uh, there's really across the country, you know, I'm looking maybe Lincoln, Nebraska <laughs> might mm-hmm. be crazy enough and the right media town time, the size that you could get away with it. Uh, I lived in Columbus, Ohio. The fan base up there would would eat something like this up, mm-hmm. but it would be way too expensive to do. So, hmm. uh, yeah, this this whole South is the only place where you could do a show the, the way we're doing it uh, about a college team. And, and you know, if you did it somewhere north, I, I watch shows out of Boston, mm-hmm. and it is okay. You've got the Celtics, you get the Bruins, you get the Patriots, you get the Red Sox. They don't talk college, but you've got mm-hmm. those four that are always going down here. You know, it's Football, 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 basketball, football, football, mm. football. And, um, yeah. It's, you just it's have little breadcrumbs. Like Nick Saban this week just saying, like, I don't think it's fair about playing uh, Tennessee or LSU and uh, Auburn and our permanent three rivals. It's like, oh, perfect. That's fodder for the whole – like, that's it. Tennessee fans are going to eat that up. They would love nothing more than talk about Saban as he's now scared of Tennessee after losing this year and everything. Yeah. Like, that's just yeah. – yeah. Yeah, it's uh, there's always something to set it off, and mm. uh, th- the other thing that's great, uh, we've done it a couple of weeks here because it's just on on everybody's mind, and that is, what's the new schedule format? Mm-hmm. How are Texas and Oklahoma going to fit in? What's that mean for Tennessee? Uh, now that you've got Florida State's board of trustees talking about something's going to have to change, oh well, then forget about the twenty thirty six grant of rights. Let's just dig into how it's going to break now. The ACC is going to collapse any minute now mm-hmm. and who the SEC gets and who the big 10 gets. And that's exactly what we did this last Sunday on my show. Yeah. We did a couple of segments on, all right, if it fell apart, who goes where, which, which schools would be appropriate for you. So it's always something. And yes, it mm-hmm. can be something as silly as a coach making a comment in a press conference. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it's, it's, it's special. You don't have that in a lot of places. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's wonderful to do it here. And the, the show is somewhat easy to do. Again, the, the reason I like the summer months is because I can do more uh, creative topics, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And it's not the time crunch of, all right, the game ended at 1130. Now you got mm-hmm. seven hours to put it together and you're not going to get to bed and all this other stuff. So uh, to be in a place where you've got the fandom that you have here, huge plus. Huge. So what's your coffee intake like on Sunday mornings in the fall? What what are we looking at here, John? Yeah, yeah, I don't do a lot of coffee actually. It's oh, of, so you're ready to go? Yeah. Well, I don't know about that. I just I probably would be better off if I drank the coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can tell, um, you know, it's not he's gone from a good host to a bad host. It's he goes from a bad host to a worst host. Uh, mm. the you, you can tell. Ooh, boy, he must have been up late last night because he's fumbling. I don't think anybody would guess that. I don't think people. I guarantee you, if you ask most Tennessee fans watching Sports Horse, they'd be like. He probably like he has someone doing that. He's not up until five a.m. putting it all together, and all. I bet you they don't see it that way. They well, don't see the grind. Well, you know this. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and I salute you for the work you're doing and putting on a show like this for as long as you've done it. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. People no. think you just sit down, flip a button, and boom, you're talking. I mean, mm-hmm. you're working. You are mm-hmm. working at this to make to make your own um, 
outlet, the job, and mm-hmm. make it profitable. It takes time and it takes effort. People watch my show. And it's funny, I'll have people who will stop me at a grocery store or something. And uh, they will say three things that we mm. said the previous Sunday. They'll, they'll lay out, boy, when you said this and when Bob said that and when uh, Justin said this. And then they'll always end by saying, hey, I'm going to call you this week. Mm-hmm. We haven't taken a phone call on that show <laughs> since 2007. And I know they're watching because mm-hmm. they just quoted everything back to the back to me about the show. Mm-hmm. But it's just this overall, eh, they take phone calls. They're one of those shows. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people just think we sit down and wing it. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's after a football game, I don't know that you want this, but after a football game, I will have a yellow pad that I'll sit there. And, you know, we got guys who are at stadium. We got Sterling Hinton who's on the sideline, but we got guys in the stadium, press box, fans. I've got a safety systems, one of my mm. sponsors, put a nice big system for me here at the house. So one of us should be watching on TV so we can sit there and clearly get. Yeah, his foot was on the line. Mm. Uh, the refs were wrong about this. You need somebody with that angle. It's easier for me to do that, and I don't have to fight the traffic after a night game coming home. So mm. I'll watch it here with a yellow pad, and I'll come up with about seven or eight pages of legal pad notes during a game. Mm. And then you have to figure out, let's weed these down to the top 15 topics, basically. Mm. You know, 90 minutes, we'll try and get 15 things in there. And if I can drop in a line, okay, this isn't f- a five-minute discussion. This is a blurb I can throw out. This is mm-hmm. interesting. We need it in here, but we don't need to discuss it. So I kind of separate things into two columns. Then you lay it out as, no, these are the segments. These are our nine segments. Here's what we're going to do. Then you realize, okay, I've got Overstreet, Hinton, Marlon Walls, Daniel Hood, and Justin Hamilton on there. Mm-hmm. Well, some of these guys are going to answer questions, you know, in in different ways than other guys would. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people just have a better – like when we had Justin Hamilton, who's gone on to coach the Titans now, he was mm-hmm. defensive coordinator in the ACC last year. Uh, he had a level of knowledge that was ahead of even my, 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 former, my other former Vols who were on the show. Mm-hmm. They knew their position, and you kind of got to know the opposite position of you. He had to know every position. Mm-hmm. And so for him, I could throw out these questions. For this guy, I throw out these questions. So what I'm, what I'm getting at is it's kind of this big game of Tetris. If you've ever mm-hmm. seen Tetris, you put everybody in. You know how many segments each guy's going to get there because I'm not having him drive in for a 90-minute show and just do 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. So i got to get everybody a certain number of segments. You want to put them in the right segments for them. The, the mm. con- oh, wow, this is a tough question. It's a giant esoteric question. Hodge will be great because you never know what he's going to say. Boom, I'll put him in there. Mm-hmm. Chuck, an overboard fan. Pure, everything's through orange glasses. The Vols are robbed by the refs. Let's get him in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you, you know, that takes time. That's probably yeah. an hour, just figuring out these are the topics. Here are the guys and how I'm going to lay it out. Then you have to figure out. Uh, you know, does this segment flow into the next segment? Hmm. Is there a natural tie here? Because you don't want to jump from one thing, especially when we're doing football and basketball. Mm-hmm. I don't have two segments of Mark Pankratz and then three segments of football and then back to Mark Pankratz. That's not fair to him to sit around. So yeah. it's it's a lot of work. Uh, and I'm not trying to, you know, make myself a martyr. Don't get me wrong. I'm not mining coal. That was but, just real. Like, this yeah, is just honest. Is. This is what it takes. Well, it is, yeah, it's a lot more dif- uh, difficult than people think. It's yeah. it's uh, there's a lot more. 
better way to put it, there's a lot more that goes into it yeah. than people think. Uh, you know, and, and here's the deal. Uh, be a jerk of me, but there are some people who just sit down and turn on the cameras. Yeah. There, there are some people who do that, and I think that it, you know, I'm glad to say we are uh, we've been number one in the ratings for a long, long time. So uh, yeah, I think if you pour the if you pour the work into it and you try to be honest, mm-hmm. which is our number one goal, um, then I think that uh, there are rewards that come with that, and and fans will appreciate that. They may hate you this week, but they know they'll like you next week, and they respect. Mm-hmm that all right, I'm mad at him because I didn't like him saying that, but it, he had somebody else on who said the opposite, which is another reason we have, you know, anywhere from six to 10 people. I mean, that, that's during football season, we'll have up to 10 people on the show, which is just phenomenal. That's, that's nuts. Nobody, I'd be a, I'd, I'd have a retirement fund if I didn't do that, but that's the kind of show I want to produce. I want people in East Tennessee to say, oh, that's, that's network level. I'm going to hear from mm-hmm you know, all these different opinions, but there's a lot that goes into that, that, uh, that I don't think people understand. So when you get into the summer months, mm-hmm. it's easier. It's yeah. easier. I don't have to juggle 10 guys, you know, mm-hmm. it's four guys. I know what we're going to talk about. Boom. Let's lay it out. So then, then the only difficulty is making sure you come up with something that fans at home do want to mm-hmm. hear you. It's also a discussion show. It's not a debate show. And so much of it now you see on television, everybody's just like trying to get their take out and just it's really loud and it's really just like really obnoxious. And yours is more discussion based and everyone talks like no one talks over each other on on Sports Source, which I think is an important part of any good talk show or podcast. There was a uh, there was a show that I grew up watching. This will show how old I am. Um, it was called The Sports Reporters on ESPN. Yeah. And uh, Dick Shap was the host. Mm. And it was all the guys who once started on, pardon the interruption, years ago, Mike Lupica, Bob Ryan, the, you know, Rick T. Lander, the classics from the big city newspapers. Mm. Uh, these guys would be on the show and they'd sit in Times Square and it'd be a topic and it would just be four guys or five guys. The very serious, fun discussion. It was mm. not, uh, one thing I hate is, hey, I'll take this position, you mm-hmm. take that position, and we'll argue it. Out. I hate that fake argument stuff. Mm-hmm. If if we have a segment on my show, mm-hmm. and and here's the it's interesting. There's a lot of agreement on my show, um, and people think, well, it's because you make them say what you. And it's like, I, no, I'm not gonna. I, I don't think I can make Jimmy Himes mm-hmm. say. I don't think I can make Josh Ward say something he doesn't believe. Mm-hmm. But because we all come at it, except for Chuck. Uh, we all come at it as uh, media first and not mm. fans. Uh, and there's a reason I want Chuck out there. There's a reason yeah. I want Sterling out there. So you get that perspective. Mm. Uh, but since most of us come at it from a serious, impartial kind of spot, mm. uh, our views often align. Mm-hmm. And I've always felt uh, that if you get five guys in a segment and they're all five telling you something, Maybe you should listen to that. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe that in itself is telling you something. Uh, now, mm-hmm. it's something you don't want to hear. People don't care anyway. But um, I do not want to ramp up fake arguments. I don't I don't like that. They're, they're fun when they come around. If you get a natural disagreement, that's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not an over-the-top, in-your-face, yell-at-each-other, fake. You know, the whole – if you could take Skip Bayless and <laughs> Shannon Sharp and Stephen A. Smith and and uh, all of you know four or five of those guys. If you could take them and just launch them to the moon, 
sports coverage would be so much better in this country. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't need the fact that these guys are yelling at each other, you know, over a third down call. It's like, mm-hmm. look, I'm a human being. I doubt you really care this much. This yeah. is put on. It's an act. It's annoying to me, but mm-hmm. they make more money than I do. So there are people out there who want it. Those aren't people who are going to like my show though, because we don't, we don't do that. I'd rather we have fun, but at the same time, uh, it's more of a, as you said, just a serious kind of a discussion show. It's not uh, the argument show. And mm-hmm. that, that's pretty much what ESPN started that way. Kind of turned it into a game show. Yeah. Pardon the interruptions, a game show and the, the, uh, it's more of a performance. Absolutely a game show. Yeah. And just kind of everyone looked at that and said, Oh, let's do that. It's easy. Mm-hmm. So everyone does and all these regional cable networks. Uh, I, I used to be, uh, the SEC guy on a network called CSS down in Atlanta. Yeah, there's very Boston. familiar with that. Yeah, and then there's Comcast Sports. Well, it's now uh, NBC Sports Boston, which I mm-hmm. watch religiously. And you've got SNY out of New York. They all have these same kinds of shows that just mm-hmm. kind of off that ESPN model. And I sit around and wait for the six o'clock show, which is more of a news slash discussion show. So. Mm-hmm. Show is kind of what I want to watch, and luckily, with with the fact that we've been supportive for twenty years and we've got the ratings, I think most people kind of want yeah. that. You know, it's the the Twitter thing. Everyone mm-hmm. looks at Twitter and thinks that's a perfect representation of the world. It's like no, that's about twenty percent. Yeah, and two percent of the people are making all the content. The mm-hmm. research shows this. So literally we're all just in an outrage and listening to these over the top nonsense takes from this tiny sliver mm-hmm. of the population. And people think, ah, oh, that Twitter's where it's at. And a lot of shows have become Twitter esque that, that how can I be cute and ugly and hot takey at the same time? And I just think there are plenty of people who, well, 80% aren't on Twitter. Yeah. You know? And I think there's a giant silent majority, as Nixon would say, mm-hmm. of people who um, just prefer good, honest coverage. Give, give yeah. me honest coverage. Uh, what's the biggest change you've made? And then we'll do some rapid fire questions to wrap up here, John. What's the biggest change you've made to the show since it first aired? Uh, going from 60 minutes to 90 minutes was mm-hmm. huge. And then this past year, you know, when you do something for so long, uh, every mm-hmm. time we change the set, it has changed the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went to a real, we used to be, I mean, it was Wayne's world, man. <laughs> world early on, we, we were making stuff. It just looked laughable. Uh, we, we then got a really nice set built for us. Mm-hmm. By client, and wood and copper stone. And the desk was kind of this Nike swoosh shape. Mm-hmm. And um, because of that, everyone sat in a line down from me. So mm-hmm. the show became more of a, I don't want to say it was a game show like the ESPN, but game show in terms of, I ask a question, guy next to me answers, then the guy next to him answers, then the guy next to him. So then that drove me crazy. Yeah. Uh, Kind of like Family Feud when Steve Harvey's just going down the list, one at a time, one of the family. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. So this year, uh, this past summer, I invested in a brand new set. And boy, we won't be doing this again, but that was uh, put together. And uh, I'm really happy with it because it gives us different areas to do things. You can have a little two person discussion. You can have a demonstration zone over here and the guys are more in kind of a, a U shape to where the conversation is natural. They're not mm-hmm. having to look down a row to see me. They're looking straight across at another guy. 
Yeah. And we're all kind of in this U shape. So the biggest changes, set changes, change it changes the dynamic of the show. And then going from 60 minutes to 90 minutes was just a massive step forward for the show. That was, that was really a, a takeoff point. All right, we'll do some rapid fire and we'll get you out of here, John. I want to be respectful uh, for your time here this well, afternoon. You, this, this is flown, so if you want to go an extra five or something, you can. But okay, not, cool. All right, I'll give you one more kind of bigger one, and then we'll do the rapid okay. fire. Right. What is the toughest segment to parse through? If you had to like parse through like all the different kind of segments over the last few months, what's the toughest one? You're like, all right, this is how am I going to get this in this amount of time before another break? Is there a subject matter? Is it what? What is the toughest for you? That's an interesting question. Um, I guess it would probably depend on, uh, do you mean topic? I just imagine like just the blocks, right? Like you have these different, like when you go in, when you're putting the show together the day before, you're like, man, I don't know how I'm going to turn to Josh or I'm going to turn to, and I'm like, I still don't even know if we're going to get this at six. Like, I don't know. Like, is there a risk? Yeah. Um, The toughest topics are uh, usually, um, usually it's the first one. Huh. The first one, and the, and the reason is that should be just the big reaction. That's what mm-hmm. I planned after football, after basketball. It's just, okay, guys, what are our biggest takeaways? What are the, mm-hmm. the headline? If you're writing a headline for this game, what is it? Well, here's the thing. Those, if the game is boring, those can die, and it's mm-hmm. quick, which changes my timing for the rest of the show. Yeah. Or if it's a great discussion, mm-hmm. I'll let it go long, and the rest of my show, every segment is going to be, Okay, let's be quick. Boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. So really that first segment is probably the toughest, regardless of topic, just because mm-hmm. I don't know what the guys are going to say. Yeah. And, um, and we haven't timed through it. Mm-hmm. So if they say a lot, it could really slow down the rest of the show. Mm-hmm. If, they don't, if they don't say a lot, well, that's kind of a bummer of a first mm-hmm. segment. And you wonder if that's going to hurt ratings or not. So that yeah. first segment is the one that's kind of, it controls the mood and everything else for the rest of the show. Uh, you know, now I will say this in terms of, let me go the opposite way. Favorites, having Justin Hamilton there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I knew I was, I knew he'd get back into coaching. Uh, mm-hmm. And I knew he wanted to get the NFL too. Uh, but the, uh, the four months we had him, I knew he wasn't going to be around long. <laughs> So I'm like, I'm going to ride this horse. <laughs> so we would get together. He was uh, your Jamal Lewis. Oh, yeah. We'd get together mm-hmm. once every, I mean, once or twice a week. And mm-hmm. somewhere, And we'd sit down and spend like three or four hours. And it would go off. It was just a discussion. It would go here, it would go there, it would go everywhere. But we would gradually put together, all right, Justin, I want to ask you this. And he'd give me a detailed answer. Mm-hmm. Guy's brilliant. So he made my life easy. Um, great communicator. Uh, but he would lay out this, this, this. And I would say, all right, now half the people on my show are going to get that. Mm-hmm. Half the people watching the show are not. And we would work at it back and forth to where we had a complicated concept broken down as simply as you could. Po- I mean, I, I, I would tell him, right, let's break it down so my mother would get it. Mm-hmm. And yet, at the same time, it's complicated enough and it's important enough that people aren't going to tune out going, yeah, yeah, we know this. Mm-hmm. So, those kinds of segments were fantastic to produce. Those are my favorites. So I'm going to miss that having a former defensive coordinator from a power five school who was in it last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that was a, that was godsend. That was man from heaven. Mm-hmm. So. Interesting. Who is the dream? V- uh, we'll get into our rapid fire here. So who's your dream VFL that you've never gotten or had a chance to speak with that you would love to have on the show that you think would be great on your show? Well, yeah, it's uh, Peyton Manning. Mm-hmm. 
Peyton Manning would be great. I mean, Peyton doesn't do a, a ton of the Knoxville stuff. Uh, yeah. Um, in terms of the local media in town, uh, but he's great in every setting. I mean, mm-hmm. he's tremendous. He's a guy that you could just sit down and say, "Here's the mic. Uh, we're we're all going to sit over here and just listen to you go for ninety minutes." He would be uh, the best to ever get on there. I've already had my dream guy, Who? Uh, Stanley Morgan. Uh, oh, years ago, uh, I somehow he was in Knoxville, so I lured Stanley Morgan in there and former Vol quarterback Bobby Scott, uh, who was a tremendous. Uh, uh, he'll bust your balls <laughs> for um, I'll watch language, but mm-hmm. what Bobby does. And uh, he came over in the first segment with a handkerchief and wipes down my forehead in front of Stanley Morgan and says, you're getting a little nervous here in front of your idol. <laughs> and he really, he really took me down a notch, uh, but that was a lot of fun having Stanley Morgan there. And I, his introduction was probably eight minutes because I went through mm-hmm. all he should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, all his records at UT and everything. So technically, I've had my dream guy. Here's another dream. Mm-hmm. If I could get Bernard King and Ernie Grunfeld, hmm. same show, that would be cool. But that's uh, – I was in New York this past week at a Knicks Celtics game, and Bernard mm-hmm. King happened to be there. Got a huge round of applause. But I, I wish we could get him back to Knoxville more often. I wish we could get him to do some live media. Yeah. That would be good. Um, Crump's my guy of anyone I've talked to here. I, I've talked to Dobbs. I've talked to Crump, but, but Jonathan Crompton's hilarious. Like that guy is open. He is an open book and will tell you all about it. Like the Kiffin era and just what he thinks about Hypel and everything else. But he's such a brilliant quarterback mind and offensive guy. And you see why he was a five star and everything else. But Crump is one of my favorites. I don't know. Has he been on sports tours before? Or no, he has not. He has not. You okay. know, the, one of the things we've got is we do a cattle call once a year. I want people who can, who can be regulars. Yeah. He's not in the state anymore. Yeah. So uh, we do a, we used to do a all VFL show uh, mm. for football season. Like the last show of the my, – my year begins with UT's first game. That's mm. the fiscal year. And the last show of the last – of the previous year would be that last Saturday, Sunday in August. Mm. And I would have like six, seven, eight, nine VFLs. It was an all VFL show. And it was basically a test run for me to find new talent if I need. Mm. But uh, – but we've got good guys. It's just hard to, you know, there, there. How many of these guys are in town? Mm-hmm. How many of them aren't doing a ton of other media? I mean, that's the thing. If you get somebody and they're good, they're going to wind up somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Have them on three different places and uh, that kind of thing. And then it's like, well, what's the value to me if somebody can hear you in these fourteen other venues? Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm always looking for for new guys because these guys move into town. They move out of town. You know, and when they get to a certain age, they've got kids. Yeah. Well, that changes what, you know, are you available to me every Sunday? Mm-hmm. You've got kids and you're coaching them and all this other stuff. That changes it. So I'm mm-hmm. always looking out for new people. How much do you love them? Are you willing to move on? Yeah. Well, trust me. I, yeah. uh, I don't have kids. So I'm yeah. looking at it like, really? It's a tournament. They'll yeah. get over it. Come do the show. <sighs> That's a fear of mine. If I have like the, the tournament circuit, man, I, I don't know if I can. I can commit to that. Um, rapid fire here, though. Uh, Joe Milton or Nico? Who starts more games this fall? Joe, for ten- okay. Joe Milton. I How think. confident are you in that? Uh, 70%. I, I think it's Milton unless, you know, if there's an injury, that could throw anything out. But I just, I think Nico looks way too small. Mm-hmm. I think the coaches liked Milton initially two years ago. Mm-hmm. I think they still like him. They're just going to coach him differently. I think he'll be good enough to get through what I expect to be an eight or nine win season. Mm-hmm. 
that doesn't mean you're taking a step back. It's just when you're building a program, it's like a stock stock market. Mm-hmm. You, know? you don't just, it doesn't do this. Mm-hmm. It does this yeah. you're really growing. I think that next year is going to be fine. Uh, and I think Milton will get through it uh, as your starter. We'll see. I think the one I have circled is UTSA because UTSA has a good offense. They're going to put up points and you know, this fan base, like I know this fan base, okay. if it's 24, 24 in the fourth quarter with UTSA, yeah. we're going to have some interesting conversations. It's also Nico's an easy name to chant. Oh, yeah. it <laughs> is such point. an easy, like I was in the building for Milton's uh, game against Pitt and I, I'm in the building for most of them, but like, I love going as a fan, like no matter where I go in media, I'm not going to go to a Tennessee game as media. I don't want to be in the press box. I want to be with the fans. I want to, it's just more, it's just more my deal. Like I, I enjoy that more. Um, but the Harrison Bailey chants were just deafening around me. And I just, that's Harrison Bailey. No offense to Harrison, but like oh, yeah. with Nico, the it's just going to be a completely different situation. I just hope Nico isn't treated like Harrison Bailey. Yeah. Harrison Bailey came in, played a game and it was like, okay, so he's not the answer. <laughs> Let's, yeah. let's dial it down. Let's see how these guys develop. I, yeah. you know, I watched, I watched that Orange Bowl and mm. on with my guys, and we're all saying the same thing, and that is, ooh, Milton's not the guy. Then they take off in the third and fourth quarter. All right, Milton's going to be the guy. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be. I don't think he's going to be Hendon Hooker by any stretch. No. I don't think that's his game. Uh, but I think he's good enough to get you eight or nine wins. So I, I'm reasonably 70, 75% sure that he gets more starts than Nico. I'm just scared of Nico's going to get snapped in half. Yeah. Uh, that's a guy that I hope they're just feeding him steak and waffles constantly. Pizza Especially if uh, John Campbell and Gerald Mincy are yeah. the left tackle and right tackle, where it's like, if that goes wrong, that's the underrated part of this season is so many questions. Like Darnell Wright's out of the building yeah. and Mincy and Crawford both got banged up a lot. And you might be in a situation where you're going to walk on Dane Davis on one side. and I, like, I mean, Hendon Hooker, a lot of his runs were eluding pass yes. rush. And that's not Joe Milton at all. No, no. He is not a guy who – he can run. But he's taking sacks. He did in the arch ball. He doesn't no. look like he wants to. No. Uh, to me, he looks like a Heath Schuler, Tim Tebow style fullback. If he wanted mm-hmm. to pound over you, he could. Plus, he's got speed. But clearly, that is not his desire. No. Uh, so, you're right. If, if the line isn't up to snuff, you'd be seeing him take a lot of hits. I hope it's not the case. I think we all want Joe to succeed. And I think that's the big thing. It's like he's going to have the opportunity. We all want it to happen. But we'll see. I, we, it's just... He was certainly a good teammate. And yeah. uh, the relationship between he and Hooker is pretty pretty special. That's unique. So, uh, And, and he, boy, he said great things about Nico, mm-hmm. trying to take him under his wing and everything. So, uh, yeah, you do hope that, that things work out for him. Uh, right now, clairvoyant John, March 3rd. The three permanent rivals for Tennessee will end up being who? Uh, I hope it is Alabama, Kentucky, and Florida. Okay. I'm tired of Vanderbilt. Kicked mm-hmm. them out of the league. They're useless. They've beaten Tennessee more than Kentucky has, and yet the Kentucky game is infinitely more interesting. Mm-hmm. It's a much more interesting game. Yeah. Uh, but my guess is it's going to be Alabama, Kentucky, and Vandy. I think they're going to get their three oldest. Uh, Hypel mentioned that last year once they passed a little thing around showing who would get who. Uh, and for all the talk, you know, somebody's going to get screwed in this with their three toughest opponents. And maybe it's mm. Alabama, but the deal is that's a third of your schedule. Yeah. And also no you're going to play everybody every other year. Like it's, you're going to rotate. It's going to even out. Yeah. And no one's going to have an easy schedule. No. In the ACC. You can't I mean the other six games are going to be made up. You're going to get Georgia and Oklahoma, or you're going to mm. get 
Texas and LSU. I mean, it's it's not an easy league, no. and it's getting harder. So, you know, if Tennessee winds up with Alabama, Florida, and Auburn, I'd be happy with that. But mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm big on tradition. Kentucky's your oldest rival. Keep them. Alabama's your traditionally your biggest rival, and Florida is the biggest rival for the the generation that came along right as I got out of school. Mm-hmm. I got I left UT right when it went to division play. So that's when it went from and my generation. It's Alabama. Yeah. Everybody since then, it's Florida. I'd love to see both of those in Kentucky stick. Yeah, I think it's Vanderbilt. I agree with you. I think it's Vanderbilt, Kentucky, and uh, Bama. And I think that might upset some Tennessee fans. Like, it just kind of stinks, though, to think about, like, Georgia and Florida just not going to be on the schedule year over year. And also, Florida just has become the start of SEC play. Like, it just kind of is like, hey, this is real now. Like, this is the start of season. But I'm also like kind of don't miss the cardiac situations of Tennessee, Florida at the beginning. Like I, I may not miss that as much anymore. Yeah, the, the, uh, the interesting thing is, see, going back to when I was there at UT and my whole mm. life watching them, it was Auburn and Ole Miss every year. Yeah. Auburn and Ole Miss. And I was like, everyone was like, you can't lose Auburn and Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Auburn, Auburn was that game. Auburn was the traditional big first game in the SEC every year. Mm-hmm. And the, the the networks would come in here because both of them were top ten in that Pat Dye Johnny Majors era. So it was great. And I thought, what are you doing? You, you we're stuck with Florida and Georgia. We played both of those twenty times in our history. Who cares? Mm-hmm. So whoever you get, you'll you adjust. Up, yeah, you wind up unless you're Arkansas and you have no ties to anybody in the league, and it's been thirty years and you still don't have an honest to god rival. That's mm-hmm. I hate Texas coming into the league because Texas is a uh, there, if, if you look, if, if and I'm gonna be somebody think I'm sexist, but put your own sex in here. If you look at a spouse, a potential spouse, and you see, wow, they've been divorced six times, mm. it may it may give you pause, maybe mm. it give you pause as to whether it will work with you. That's Texas, they've broken mm. up every league they've been in, teams flee to get away from them. So, I hate them coming in overall. I, th- I don't think they're going to be a all for one, one for all kind of school like everybody else is. Mm-hmm. That said, I'm happy for Arkansas because they finally get a uh, an actual rival in the league. And we get Texas A&M in Texas on Thanksgiving or the day after Thanksgiving back, which I've missed. Like those two not playing year over year. It's just been what what are we doing here, folks? Like well, they should be playing every year. Yeah. And I'm just, you know, everybody wants what it, what it was like when they were a kid. Mm-hmm. And for me, Oklahoma, Nebraska was mm-hmm a monster game every year. You don't get that anymore. The fact that USC and UCLA are going to the Big Ten, it's silly. At least at least with Texas and Oklahoma, you could make the case that uh, they're still, you know. Like once you bring in Mizzou and A&M, it's like, what does it actually mean anymore? We got used to A&M and Mizzou, which is crazy. Yeah, see, A&M, Mizzou was pure pure TV. Pure, mm-hmm. we've got to get a cable, and they'll do it. They bring us cable households. Texas A&M, uh, had been rumored to try and get into this league since the 80s. You've had mm. the SEC go after them. You've had them flirt with the SEC. They fit. They fit. They're, they're crazy. It's like a cult down there. Mm-hmm. Bizarre rituals <laughs> and everything. Uh, huge stadium. That is a fit for me. I don't know the Texas, mm-hmm. Austin. I mean, here's the thing. Vandy is the only school that is not in a one-horse town, and I don't mm. want people in Lexington and Knoxville, but take the university out of that town. Come on. You know, this yeah. is, that's what drives it. Um, Austin, Texas, that's a big enough city to where they've got their own thing. Now they're passionate. They're crazy. Mm-hmm. 
but it'll be interesting for me to see how that fits. And then you got Nashville, of course, which you know nobody in Vandy, nobody in Nashville cares about Vanderbilt. So that's they need to be thrown out of the league. We can talk about if you come in. They need Tulane, to- man, bring them back to the SEC. I would, I would love that because you get New Orleans back. Yeah. In this Let's go more games in New Orleans. That would be fun, man. Tulane was my honest to God for years. I was like, it's Tulane. That's the answer. It's like, go back to the New Orleans market and put them there. And then my other thing, too. As an old-timer, I would also like to see Georgia Tech back. Right. How can the SEC not have Atlanta? Mm -hmm. They left on their own, and they don't add anything brand name or anything like that. Historically speaking, Tennessee's biggest alumni chapter is in Atlanta. It's an easy drive. Hmm. For everyone, I mean, South Carolina and Georgia Tech, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Florida, Georgia Tech, Auburn, Georgia Tech. That would that would be a tremendous addition from a historical sense. But in terms of name brands, anybody listening to me right now is like Georgia Tech, mm-hmm. Tulane. But I'm just thinking fit and mm-hmm. travel. But you're right, especially now that Tulane's decent again. Yeah. Uh, if you could trade Vander, if if Tulane could come in, bring everybody's GPA up. Mm-hmm. You could you could flush Vanderbilt, you lane in, plus you get the road trips to New Orleans, which come on, who doesn't like that? Exactly. Uh final two here. Um your uh favorite Tennessee sports memory is what all time? Well, it's funny. I uh once I started the show, it kind of people are like, Well, you're a fan. I'm like, I was a fan. So you don't like them? I like them. It's just mm-hmm. when I launched my show, they put the coach's show opposite me they mm-hmm. moved time-wise from 9 a.m to 11 a.m they've since moved it out of there mm-hmm. you know, not to be a jackass but because they got tired of losing mm-hmm. uh, so uh we uh so when you go through that and you know they've come in and said you can't use highlights it's like what everybody in the world can use highlights you can't mm-hmm. opposite our show and they've taken some people off my show in the past and said well we're going to use them and then they don't use them they just took them off my show you, you, then it's a business. Mm-hmm. I don't like you, but it's hard for me to view you as a raw, raw fan anymore. Plus, I don't like fan coverage. Everybody's different. There are people who want, oh, no, it's better coverage. I tend to think fans get a little too high after wins, a little too mm-hmm. low after losses. I'd rather hear somebody that just pull it straight. Mm-hmm. So because of that, my favorite memory, memories are all going to be when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, and uh, – I would say this This is you – know, I'll give you a Neyland Stadium game, and it was a loss of all things. Mm-hmm. I've been at great games. The, the 82 game when they beat Alabama, I was a 10 years old, 11 years old. It was fantastic. But the best game I ever saw at Neyland Stadium, Notre Dame was number one. Tennessee was number nine. Notre Dame won it, but Tennessee made it this wild comeback. It was the year before the miracle at South Bend. Those were the mm-hmm. two best, you know uh, – Back then, you would have some rival, some non-conference school come in, and you'd play two games against them, home and home. Mm. Uh, now, you know, you may get just one game somewhere to neutral side or whatever, but th- that was the best two-year non-conference swap I've ever seen because both those games were great, and uh, Sterling Hinton was on that team. We've talked about it. That game here, there was so much pro talent on that mm. team. I encourage any Vol fan to go back and watch on YouTube the – uh, 1990 Tennessee Notre Dame game. Vols lose. By gosh, that is a classic college football game. That's probably mm-hmm. best memory. I was. I wasn't devastated by the loss. I was kind of proud of the way they played. It was really cool. I love it. Last thing we wrap up here, John. The nicest VFL you've met is who? Ooh, boy, that's tough because they're. I'm, 
Sterling. Mm. Okay. It's, it's tough, Sterling. <laughs> uh, Bobby Scott's up there too, mm. even though he's a ball buster. Uh, Bobby's, Bobby's great. Uh, everybody loves Bobby. Dewey Warren. Hmm. Another one, everybody, you know, that's a certain generation, but Dewey was always super nice around me. Uh, but I'll go Sterling just because what you see is pretty much what you get. I mm-hmm. mean, that level of insane optimism and energy, he's got it all the time. Now, for all I know, he goes home and, you know, <laughs> sticks knives into walls. <laughs> I don't know. He may be, he may be crazy, uh, but uh, you know, somebody's got to have a release at some point. Mm-hmm. But he really is uh, the honest to God. Anybody who ever runs into Sterling Hinton anywhere, mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about him. Oh, he's having a bad day. No, no, he's he's top of the charts in terms of nice guy. I would like like him on the hunt, just Sports Source, and the energy would just be so different than it would be. It'd be an interesting way to try and facilitate there yeah he uh it, it, it you know there are times where i will talk to him and, and well we'll be talking so what's mm-hmm. fun about the show is what goes on when the cameras are off mm-hmm. those those breaks when josh ward's yelling at everybody just like yeah rotten <laughs> there, there are so many people there that just we've all got our everybody's jumping in everyone's mm-hmm they're taking there and you get three minutes and it's usually I'm freaking out because something has gone wrong technically. And I'm screaming at that, Mm. but, uh, Sterling will occasionally, he'll give an honest take occasionally Mm. off air. And then he gets on air and Mm. massages it to fit his persona a little bit more. I don't think anybody would be surprised by that, but occasionally he is always optimistic. When I say he's always optimistic, he's Mm. always optimistic when he's on. Yeah. When the cameras aren't on, occasionally he'll give us an honest take. He's like, oh, yeah, this ain't going to happen. Mm. But most of the time, he's feeling pretty good about things. If, if I told him the, the uh, Vols are playing the Chiefs next week, he'd come back with five reasons why the Tennessee's going to win. So There you go. Yeah. You need guys like that, though. Like, they're just like the optimists, and you need guys, the high energy optimist oh, guys, come football season. Absolutely. Especially when it's tough, the season's not uh, going your way. You know, the fun thing is, uh, it's just, you know, I've built the show for this purpose. Uh, yeah. The uh, we used to do um, a thing called the uh, was the the doves and the vultures, where we did mm-hmm. three down, and it was Overstreet and Hodge, who were always negative, mm-hmm. and Hood and Hinton, who were always positive. Mm-hmm. I, I'm exaggerating, but that's kind of the way people view them. Yeah. I'll get I get so many emails uh, after shows. Mm-hmm. From uh, and it's like this from for everyone. Now I get a lot mm. of hate emails. If you're in the media, you get a bunch of hate emails. But uh, I'll get stuff saying you need more guys like Sterling, hmm. and then I'll get emails saying you need to get rid of that bum Sterling. Well, I've always thought that that's the perfect guy. Yeah, fifty percent love him and want want more people like him we want more people telling us we're going to win mm-hmm. we got 50 people saying i want honesty mm-hmm. okay that's perfect <laughs> he's, he's yeah perfect. uh i've always we get a lot of i get a lot of emails saying uh you're always bashing the balls you're a hater you hate the yeah hate the team and then you'll get one that's you'll, you'll get a bunch that are uh you guys are such homers you take mm-hmm. up and your mouthpieces for the haslams your mouthpieces for ut and it's like, well, I guess we're doing it right. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, if you don't know if I'm, I always tell people, 
uh, I'll give you the addresses of some of these people who've been calling me a hater. You guys get in touch and figure it out and come back and let me know whether I'm a homer or a hater. Kind of depends on the, the topic, which yeah. is honest coverage. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the Sterling energy, I, you know, I know what he brings to the show mm. and that's why we put him out there. And I think anybody who is polarizing, uh, and most of my guys, thank God are, yeah. Um, and I, probably anybody in the media is these days, but Sterling is so out there mm-hmm. that I get a lot of that with him. And, the, the, you know, that's, that's why he's going to be there as a fixture for many more years. I hope. There you go. Well, this has been fantastic. I appreciate you giving me so much of your time this afternoon, John. Um, what, what do you want to plug here as we wrap up here outside of sports or on Sundays? What uh, can the good folks check out from you? Uh, sports source Sundays, 11 a.m. W.A.T.E. 6 and mm-hmm. you can watch it. W.A.T.E. dot com. If they're not in the, if they're not in the market, uh, they can watch it live. W.A.T.E. dot com. Mm-hmm. There's actually a sports source page. You just go hit watch at the top, I think. Mm-hmm. Lead you down to sports source. And uh, if you don't catch it there, we post it on our YouTube channel and on yep. sports source TV every Sunday afternoon by about. 3.30 or 4 o'clock. So uh, depending on what time the Patriots are playing, whether I can get to it or not. But that's that's the main thing. People can follow us there. I don't tweet much. My only tweets mm-hmm. are uh, here's a video of Bernard King at Knicks game. And then there's nothing for the rest of the week. And then it's mm-hmm. watch a Sunday. I you're just, more of a TikTok guy, John. Like yeah, you're, I do a lot. Of, I'm a big dancer. People don't mm-hmm. know that about me. But uh, yeah, I, it's funny. I used to do the CSS thing. I used to mm-hmm. Thing for the Sentinel, we used to own a web. My buddy and I used to own a website called MrSEC.com where we covered the mm. whole league and then the TV show. And then you hit a certain point uh, where your doctors are saying, dude, you are way too stressed. Mm-hmm. You, I just cut cut a lot of that stuff out and much happier. Mm-hmm. One thing I found was I'm much happier when I'm not on social media. So yeah. You're not going to find me on Facebook. You're not going to find me on Twitter very often. 10. Mm-hmm what, five tweets a week, maybe. So watch the show, uh, catch us online or, or watch it taped online. We got it there. Anyway, they can, they can digest it. Don't call in. He doesn't do that anymore. Folks. Yeah, that's right. Then we don't do call-ins, but you're able to. So don't, when you went into John in Sevierville, wherever, and say, I'm going to call in this week. <laughs> it's classic. It's classic. People will run through all the things we just said, what they liked, <laughs> what they didn't like, and then I'm going to call you this week. Mm-hmm. Never understood. All right. Uh, hey, and they're still watching, so whatever. That's the best way to end it. They're still watching. John Pennington, thank you so much for the time, and we'll have to check back in again soon. Absolutely. We'll have to have you stop by our show at some point. Let's do it. All right. Check. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.